everyone and welcome to another episode of Books and Shit with me, Charlie Author. Um, this is another special episode because we had um, have another audit author interview sorry guys um the first one we had was the lovely emily rook with um the dying light which was a few episodes ago um and today i am joined by esme carmichael uh the author of the end of everything um she's an author of other novels as well short stories prequels etc which i will let her discuss in a moment but uh, the end of everything is the one i read so obviously i'll be able to talk a bit more about that um but as always i'm not going to talk as much and let esme introduce herself so over to you thanks so much charlie so yeah my name is esme carmichael i am an independent author based in the uk and i write dark dystopian fantasy so my debut novel, The End of Everything, was released in January this year. It's a four-part novel series, and I'm hopeful, all being well, that'll be completed by next year. Nice, nice, nice. So how many are out at the moment? Because you've got the something of wolves, was it? Yes, the Waltz of Wolves. Waltz of Wolves, that's it, that's it. So how many are currently out? Just the one, or is you know does that count as two? What's the setup if people want to start it? So The Waltz of Wolves, I wrote as a prequel novella. So it's actually going to be released in three parts between the main books in the series. And The Waltz of Wolves is designed that you can basically, part one, you can pick up whenever, really. Mm -hmm. um, it just follows the background of some of the characters you meet in The End of Everything. Out of the main book, The End of Everything is released, and also the second book in the series, The Mover of Mountains. I'm hoping to have the Waltz of Falls part two out in a couple of months, part three in winter sometime. And then, yeah, next year, the series will be finished. Lovely, lovely. See, I love the schedule. I love keeping to time. Um, you know, some it doesn't necessarily work the best for everybody. Some people are like, I want to do it by this time. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily work out. But it, I do find um, it's it's good to have at least a framework of what, of where you want to get with something rather than just kind of leaving it to to the wind um you know that works for some people and not but yeah I definitely prefer it prefer it that way um so before we go on to obviously the actual book for those that don't know what's it about you said dark dark dystopian but what's the premise what are we doing so the easiest way I can describe it is that it's basically a reverse soulmate so the premise is that you have a girl, Alira, who is the destined end of the world. And she's just, you know, living about her life, trying to survive essentially in this really dark, brutal world, which is also incredibly beautiful. Mm. So the background of the story is that the old world was destroyed by the tyrannical Mason, who literally terraformed it into this beautiful arctic style land with mountains you know you've got the aurora very beautiful but of course he runs it with a very cruel very iron fist mm -hmm. and he is trying to find Alira to kill her because she's the end of his world and of course he wants to stop that but at the beginning of the novel you hear a conversation that throws Alira's destiny on its head and she starts to think that maybe actually there's a very different reason for why Mason wants to find her. Okay. And, you know, stuff happens, bit of violence, bit of this, bit of that. And it's just her story trying to survive in this world, trying to figure out what she is and can she stop what she was born to be. Wow. 
what she was born to be. Okay, no, I definitely, I definitely get that, obviously, having read it. Um, what was I going to say? So two things that I want to take out of that. Uh, the first one is the descriptions. Um, when I was reading it, I think I actually messaged you when I was a few pages in, and I was just like, this has no business being this good in terms of I can see this I mean as readers as well as writers I think it's kind of standard to say that we see books um it's not just the words which is you know why we kind of take more to, to reading than uh, you know opposed to some other people um but I the the tundra type world was literally just lifting off the page it was like I wrote it down somewhere. My description for this, guys, was like, you know, you see those really two perfect pictures on computer screensavers and it's just, you know, like mountains or a jungle or something. And you're like, this isn't real. No, you know, nobody took this picture. Like it's made up kind of thing. That's what it felt like reading this. Like the the icy, the lakes, the mountains, the, the snow. It was just, it was so good. And, you know, stop myself gushing, but, you know, how did you do that? Did you do research? Is it just you're just perfect and wonderful in terms of your description? How did you kind of navigate the just the realness of vision? I can't I can't even think of the words. It was just so so good. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, that makes me so happy because honestly, the descriptions in the series are some of my favorite bits. I've absolutely loved writing about them, and for me, a lot of it is that these are my favorite types of landscapes to write about so I'm very passionate about them but in terms of actually how I wrote it a lot of David Attenborough documentaries were watched in the lead up to writing this series um, particularly Frozen Planet photographs as well I mean I have a bunch of photographs of random shit basically on my phone it's like I literally have a photograph of a bunch of dead trees out in the snow and um, I use these a lot as inspiration, basically typing or writing exactly what I saw. And I went all in initially, just pages and pages of writing about the same thing. And then it was a, a lot in the editing process just to tighten that up. But it was, it was amazing writing about this because I love immersive environments and I'm very passionate as well about the natural world. So being able to put that into this series was something I really enjoyed. No, I, I really do love that because I, I think one of the reasons it jumped out at me other than just being awesome was that is definitely where I lack in terms of my writing. Um, you know, just I enjoy the character part. I love the dialogue part as a lot of people, people do, but I will go off on that tangent a bit and you know oh this is great but where are they standing like are they just in a random room what's going on like I just forget that part and have to that's where I have to go back and you know get all of that stuff so I was just definitely really impressed by it because I was like this is what I want to do like this is this is really good so I, I definitely love that um I liked what you said about the you know the love for the natural world the the passion that kind of thing because you know it comes out in the writing it comes out in your work and I think that is massive for other writers as well to you know I think sometimes we fall into possibly writing or reading things we think we should um in order to make it more I don't know appealing or um commercial whatever whatever the word is but if you're not writing something that you fully understand love care about passionate about that is going to be clear it's going to be like you don't really get this like <laughs> do you know what I mean if I'm you know writing fight scenes I watch fight scenes I love action films because 
I want it to look like that, but I can't fight like that. So I need to, you know, so I definitely get that, which is really awesome. So the second thing, so we spoke about the descriptions, which was amazing. And we're going to characters and stuff. Uh, reverse soulmate. So because this is obviously about the book, there will be spoilery type stuff. So, and I will warn people of this if you, you know, if you don't want them to, to know what goes on. But Mason, <laughs> tell, tell me about, tell me about Mason. I'm going to stop for a bit. Tell, tell me about Mason, <laughs> because I have a lot to say about Mason. <laughs> Oh, Mason. Um, oh, Mason is one of these characters who he's, how can I put this? He has grown more despicable the more I write about him. Love it. So like when I first started it, it was about 10 years ago and Mason was a very different character. He was a lot more, frankly, he was a lot nicer. But then when I went to the rewrites, I was thinking, all right, for for the themes of the story I want to explore, he needs to be a lot meaner. Mm-hmm. So then I went all in. Yeah. And as the years progressed, he's just growing more and more despicable, more evil. And so I'm I'm actually rereading the end of everything at the moment. And because I'm I'm currently writing book four, which is sort of like the pinnacle of Mason's evilness. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm looking back to the end of everything, I'm thinking, you know what? Actually, he's he's bad. But he he gets worse, and yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just an awful character, quite frankly. He is, and as I said, we're going to talk about him because you know Alira, sorry, yeah, Alira, she's the main character, and we'll touch on her because you know she's got really positive attributes in terms of her strength, uh, both physical, emotional, mental. She's spunky. She's out there. She, you know, she's all about the stuff, and I'm one for the strong female main character I'm all here for it um but you know without sounding negative we know that person we we get that person we've written and read that person Mason however is a villain and I quite like my villains this way um it's almost there's no reason for it there is don't get me wrong I'm not saying you know there's not a plot or there's you know that's not what I mean it's I like villains that are evil because of their own straight laced way of being or understanding what their purpose is kind of thing. Like nothing else matters. I'm just doing this and everybody can either suck it or die. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, there doesn't always have to be this kind of redemption thing or a reason why that, you know, oh, he was abused. That's why he's like this. No, he's just bad. And <laughs> and I really like bad people like there's there's depth to it he's amazing to read it's like the descriptions he comes off the page but he was just bad and I was here for that because we don't get that a lot there always has to be a reason or because he loves her and I'm like we doesn't really love her he covets her he he just needs her for this purpose he doesn't like her this isn't fun this isn't nice He's just doing this. And I was like, is that a, was that a conscious effort on your part to create that type of villain? Or as you said, has he just evolved into that type of villain? I think it was a mixture of both, to be honest. Um, so in the, in the very, very first version of this I did, he did have, um, is this a word, redemptionable yeah. qualities? We'll make it a word. Um, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, we'll go with it. But yeah. Um, 
you know, you could see sort of like, oh, is he going to have a redemption arc? Is he not? You know, it was a little bit, you know, on the on the fence. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, let's. There is no chance that this man, as evil as he is, can have any sort of redemption arc. And I wanted to make that, you know, from the very beginning, this dude is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way he is not going to be evil. Yeah. And this comes across very early in the book. And then it just is emphasized with more and more things that he does in the series. But there's also a lyric. So the end of everything and the whole series is told through her first person point of view. So a lot of what we see from Mason is from her viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And she has this very sort of deep, dark set hatred for him, particularly in the early books. But then the more she converses with him, starts to not necessarily understand him, but just has this connection you <laughs> there with him she you know her perception of him starts to change into more confliction mm-hmm. and it's nothing to do with mason he is always going to be this incredibly evil character but it's just the way a lyric leaves him yeah. and in particularly in the end of everything you know my my goal as a writer was to make the reader have this also same confliction you know mm-hmm. you love him but you also hate him yeah. he's a character you love to hate but also hate to love yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah. no, that was that was definitely one of the things I was going to touch on because, yeah, as as readers, we've done all the the mean Faye and the enemies to lovers, and you know he's a bit mean, but he's kind of hot, so it's all right. Mason takes that to a whole other level, okay? Because, <laughs> as you said, you're left with this confliction as to. I shouldn't want her to want this. I shouldn't want this to happen. (laughs) But I do. (laughs) But I do. And what does that say about me? I don't know. But it was just, you know, it's like, okay, so he was with, um, who's the girl that he's obviously protecting from the rapist? I forgot her name. Tia. Tia. Tia Kingsley. There you go. So first it was kind of like, oh, is he doing it to be nice? And then as much as sleeping with someone for their safety can be nice, but okay. Um, (laughs) First it was, is he doing this to be nice? And then when you realized it really was just like transactional, you were like, wow, okay, fine. But then there was just this element of, as you said, like appeal and sexiness. And I'm just like, but this, I I shouldn't. (laughs) I can't find the words, just we just shouldn't. And I think, um, I think Megan, Megan Beth Davies um, on Instagram, for those who don't know, um, she was saying the same thing. Like, we shouldn't be liking this guy. And from a reader perspective, fabulous, loving it. From a writer perspective, it's perfect because you want those conflicts, you want those questions, you want that uncertainty. It shouldn't just be black and white. Do you know what I mean? Just straight away. And I really, really enjoyed that element of the book because you know you don't want her to to give in you don't want Alera to give in you don't want the end of everything to happen because there is this unknown thing you don't but then you almost do want to know (laughs) it's like if it happens (laughs) what happens like does everybody die does she die does he what so you know there is that push which is is really really awesome um what was the other thing I was going to touch on sorry because I go off on one so I have to write down my little my little notes. So 
uh, going back a step, Mason's awesome, awesome, awesome. Did you have any hang-ups about writing dystopia? Um, I say this, just a bit of context, because, you know, the whole YA field, genre, etc. you know, it's been dominated by that for a while. You know, you've got the Divergent and you've got the old school Hunger Games and, you know, everything's always cool when there's teens fighting against the end of the world kind of thing. Um, did you have any hang-ups writing um, or choosing that or was it not really a thought at all? I think for me personally, so I am actually just coming out of a major, like, decade-long reading slump where I've barely read anything, particularly in fantasy and dystopia. So for me, starting to write this, it came very almost quite naturally for me because I hadn't read anything like that. I haven't read the Hunger Games. I haven't read the Divergent series. So a lot of it, a lot of the dystopia style sort of genre for me was very new because oh, no. I just hadn't read it before. And to be honest, I'm not sure when I started writing it, if it actually started out as a dystopia. Yeah. or if it was just going to be a dark fantasy. But then the more I started understanding the world, mm -hmm. understood Mason's fist, mm -hmm. you know, around this world, it gradually morphed into the dystopia that it was. Mm -hmm. Although I think I probably should start reading all of these <laughs> YA dystopia series now, just so I know what I'm kind of writing about. Right. But, yeah. No, 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 I, I definitely get that. I mean, I'm terrible. I, I've said it more than once that I'm very much a go with the flow creative person. I hate research. I hate the fiddly bits, the craft books. I'm just like, mm, just write it, it's fine. Um, but when I was writing my most uh, recent project, so Walls of Duty, for me, the story was, um, you know, kind of a political, not political, it's not that deep, but kind of a political war romance drama thing. Um, but because I'd made them shapeshifters, because I'd made them wolves, I knew that when uh, wanting to submit or query, um, it had to, it would be considered paranormal. So I had to go and look into, oh, what does paranormal mean? And then you throw in wolves and suddenly all the, re all the results are, you know, topless men with a wolf on the front of the cover and it's all the smut and it's all the, the thing. So I had to kind of step away and be like oh shit like if the, the minute I say paranormal fantasy people are gonna think this book and or this type of book should I say um where there is wholly a market for it it's lovely you know I've read some of it it's great um but that's not what my book is and I definitely oh definitely sorry um had trouble working through that because like you said I hadn't read any of it like I read I've read it now to, to get that understanding but beforehand that never um appealed to me so I definitely understand that whole idea of you know it was new I'm just writing what I thought was cool kind of thing and now it's just kind of come out of that um which is really cool um would you will your like follow-up series and things like that would you stay in the same genre or would you like move and go to different avenues kind of thing uh, do you mean after I finish the Connection series? You finish Connection, yeah. Um, hmm, good question. <laughs> Definitely stay in the dark fantasy. Um, actually, one of my very next project, I think, is actually going to be a rewrite of a, a dark sort of more high fantasy, which does involve the classic sort of, you know, fae 
say rivalries between the summer and winter courts, um, I think I'll probably go to rewrite that. And that will include shock horror, a wholesome, healthy romance. And I can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. No, those, those are the best, best ones. I mean, I'm reading uh, the Red Rising series at the moment. And no matter how much it's sci-fi, which I'm new to, which is really cool. Um, but no matter how much I love the gore and the fighting and the spaceships and whatever, whatever I'm always like, so is someone going to kiss or what? Like, <laughs> like you always need, I think, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, guys, girls. Um, you always need that just kind of romance and flowery bit somewhere. It just, you know, it just sprinkle it on there a little bit, you know, you know, it just makes everything that much nicer. Um, and I think where you do well with that in terms of the end of everything, it's not necessarily romance, um, but it's the connection with, tell me his name, the guy that dies at the beginning. Campbell. Campbell. So I'm terrible with this name thing. Right. Um, as I said, I've mentioned that there'll be spoilers. So yes, we do know. Um, it wasn't romantic love, but it was love all the same. And that was that mm -hmm. was beautiful. She, you know, depends on him and loves him and care about cares about him. And, you know, that was clear. He felt the same way about her. So losing him was was definitely a blow. Um, the Waltz of Wolves is his prequel, isn't it? Is his backstory. Oh yeah. And that's one of the reasons I wrote about it, because I felt I had done Campbell a gross injustice in the end of everything. And I needed to make amends to him because he is just such like he is such a complex tortured but lovely character and he's got his backstory so for context he is the only last surviving member of a rebellion that was completely decimated by Mason mm -hmm. and he lost a lot of his friends and family in that rebellion and this all stemmed from an event that happened at the small village of Gainsdorn, which Campbell was responsible for. It destroyed him. It did something awful to Mason and nobody can talk about it because the events were just so horrific. Mm -hmm. And so the Waltz of Wolves follows Campbell's backstory during the early stages of this doomed rebellion, his friendships with other characters who I've completely fallen in love with. I mean, I am the number one Harrison Dagger fangirl and I will always remain until the end of time. And yeah, it basically covers Campbell's backstory before Illyria was even born, you know. And it's been such a wonderful journey for me, writing about Campbell's backstory, just discovering more about him, basically. No, I, I love when, uh, I guess secondary is the right word, when secondary characters create themselves. It's like, you know, everybody focuses on the main ones and Illyria and Mason, they're wonderful. But when that little secret character just decides to be funny or loving or just you fall in love with them even more because like where did you come from like did you know did I create you how did I do this like I love those ones and Campbell is definitely that one for me I need to to pick up the Waltz of Rules because you do drop the the clues that obviously this horrific event happened it's like what happened I need to know I need to know um so I need to, to get to that um, in terms of um, following on now, so you've mentioned that it's going to be four parts, etc. Um, you know, what are your your next steps now? You did touch on it earlier, but just a roundup. So, uh, Waltz of Wolves is out. End of Everything is out. Mover of Mountains is out. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mover of Mountains is out. Almost. Almost. Okay, go go. <laughs> <laughs> so, because the Waltz of Wolves, there are these little 
prequel novellas are going to be released between the main books in the series. I've got Waltz of Wolves part two releasing hopefully by the end of July, nice. if I can sort myself out with that. And then book three, so The Sound of Silence, will be releasing in at the end of the year. So that will be book three in the Connection series. The final part of Waltz of Wolves will be early next year. And then we've got the final, final Connection series book, which will be maybe like spring 2022. Got you. Okay, so that's a timeline for everybody listening. For those that have already read it, that's what we can look forward to. For those that haven't, get on it now because that is what is coming your way basically is what we're trying to get out of this um let's see so we've got the list of all the the works and everything let people know where they can find you keep up to date with all of these you know updates and things like that let us know cool so my main platform is instagram um you can follow me using esme carmichael underscore author and that's where most of my writing progress will be updated at um i also have currently a very bare facebook page but i am working on it and also my website at www.esmecarmichael.com great stuff thank you so so much for featuring today guys make sure you reach out to esme if you you know haven't read the series yet and you know it sounded like something you would be involved in um as i said i have read it i thoroughly enjoyed it um i thought it was a uh fresh take on you know dystopian and enemies to lovers slash soulmate tropes um it was very fresh in that sense um and as we said at the beginning amazing descriptions you know landscape setting immersive all of that stuff it was absolutely fabulous um i do have a review of it on my page as well as my goodreads so you can check that out as well um other than that thanks for joining tune in next week no two weeks Yeah, I'm not sure what the next one is, guys, but I'll let you know. Look out on my page. Bye.